Hey y'all, welcome to Chit Chat with Shell. I am Shell, obviously. <laughs> so, um, I am married, been married for six years and have two children, a daughter who's seven and a son who is five. And my podcast will mostly be about being a parent and being a wife and fun things that I figure out and struggles of parents and just being, you know, really honest because I don't think there's enough honesty when it comes to motherhood. We all struggle. Nobody likes to talk about it, but it's true. So I want to have fun podcasts and talk about fun things, but there will be times when serious things are happening and I have to talk about something serious. So it'll go both ways. But for this podcast, I am dedicating it to my daughter, who I told you was seven years old. Her name is Amaya, and she is my godsend child. I don't know how else to explain her, and I don't know where she came from. Like, you know how you have kids, and you're like, oh, you act just like your dad. You act just like your aunt. You act like me. You act like your grandma. This child acts like nobody. She is... And I'm not saying that there's not people in my family who have some of her qualities, but I don't know anybody who has all of them. My daughter is the sweetest, kindest, most obedient, loving child I ever met in my whole life. Real life. And I'm not just saying it because she's my daughter, because when we talk about my son, I'll let you know he's he's a little bit different. <laughs> okay, he's like a normal five year old, rough, wild. He listens when he wants to. He's already broken his arm because he jumps off the couch. He's just different. My daughter is seven and she's in second grade. And when she was, um, well, first when she was born, I suffered postpartum depression. So I was um, unsure, unclear, I guess, what postpartum was because nobody that I knew personally had ever gone through postpartum. And so I was like working through it on my own because I didn't know how to and I'm not on my own without I I went to doctors and stuff like that Um, I was actually placed in a facility a crisis unit to help with it because it had gotten really really bad and when I had postpartum it wasn't a thing of I want to hurt my child it was more of I want to hurt myself so I was like sent to a crisis unit and they were able to you know give me the help that I needed But I will do a whole postpartum podcast and talk about it and how I went through it and all that stuff. But what I'm trying to, the point of me saying I went through postpartum is when I was went through postpartum, I was away from my daughter for about a week, week and a half, maybe. And she was like 12 weeks old. So, of course, she doesn't remember any of that stuff. But I was breastfeeding her when I got, you know, placed. And so I had to stop breastfeeding her. So I came back nervous, like, she's not going to have the bomb with me. We, you know, missed so much time, whatever. So um, when I came back to her, we were able to bond again and everything like that. And my daughter is honestly the reason that I'm alive, like, in real life. Like, even if when I was going through postpartum, it was, like, really, really hard to, to think about anything else but what I was going through. But thinking about my baby really got me through. And she's just been that way. She's been like an angel forever. So, cut to, you know, starting school. Um, I was a certified teacher before I became a mom. I became a stay-at-home mom. 
well, honestly, when I was pregnant because I was put on bed rest at 28 weeks because I had really bad, really big fibroids. And my doctor, my first doctor told me I have to have a C-section because my fibroids would get so big during the pregnancy that it would block the birth canal. But my second doctor, because we had moved to a different place, that doctor was like, no, you'll be fine. We'll be able to do a vaginal delivery if that's what you want and all this stuff. So um, I was placed on bed rest at 28 weeks. My husband and I, we weren't husband and wife then, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend, um, decided that when we had kids, before I ever got pregnant, you know, when we had kids, that he wanted a wife or a mother of his children that would be a stay-at-home mom, and I wanted to do the same thing for my kids. So when I had my daughter, <clears throat> when I had our daughter, we decided that I would, you know, stay home, and I did. And so her whole life, she was with me, minus, you know, the week of me being in the hospital. And then, you know, a couple nights here and there with my, my mother-in-law who wanted to, you know, keep her overnight and spend time with her and bond with her and all that. So um, I was with my daughter all the time and I noticed things about her, but not to a point where it was like concerning. But like we would be like... um like when she started preschool, they have they wanted them to learn how to spell their names so they could sign in on their books. And so my husband decided to put my daughter's name on um, postcards and just stamp them, you know, put them around the house so my daughter could see her name. And she could spell it. She could look at it and she could spell her name and point to it and stuff like that. But when we asked her, I think she just got so used to her name being rehearsed that she could say it. But she didn't know the letters. Like she could spell her whole name. But if you point to a letter and say, what is this letter? She wouldn't know. Or she would know. And then the next time she would forget. So we were like, that feels a little bit odd. You know, that she knows that letter for one time. And then you ask her again and she doesn't know. So it was very concerning, of course. And then um, the preschool teachers never really said anything about, you know, her learning or anything like that. So we just took it like maybe she'll grow out of it. Maybe she's being lazy. She doesn't want to learn. She's not interested in it, whatever. Then she started kindergarten. And when I tell you she had the most fantastic kindergarten teacher ever. Love her still to this day. Because she was the one that let us know that our daughter had been having some delays in her learning that basically she was developmentally delayed. And it wasn't that my daughter couldn't learn. It was that once she learned something, she couldn't retain what she learned. So she could learn how to count to five. And then you ask her five minutes later how to do it. And she would forget what comes after three. And it wasn't, it wasn't that, but I'm just saying, giving you an example of what, you know, how it was. So we had, you know, to schedule her for evaluations and different meetings that we had to attend, that she had to attend, some she had to attend by herself. And it was very difficult because when you become a parent, you know, for your first time, you don't know what to expect as it is. Like you already are like, what am I doing? And then you get thrown a curve of your child doesn't learn the way everybody else's child does. Your child's a little further behind than other kids. And I don't want my daughter to know that. To this day, she still doesn't know that. We've known since kindergarten for two years that we've known that she has this issue. She has no idea she has this issue. 
because I don't want her to feel like she's less than or I don't want her to give up because she can't learn or she feels like she can't learn. I tell her every day you can do anything you want to do. You're smart. You're beautiful. I give her all that. Her, my mother-in-law does the same thing. And I don't want her to feel like anything's different. So she's never sat in a meeting with us while we discuss because she has an IEP, which is an individualized learning plan for her um, to, to suit her needs, what she needs. And she, she's never sat in a meeting like that. She has no idea what we talk about. She, and I never want her to. Um, so she doesn't know anything about that. So she has a phenomenal special education teacher who is like the best thing. I don't even know if I could have prayed for somebody who would help my child better than she has. And she's very patient. She's very loving. And she goes above and beyond. She's not just like a teacher teacher. She's like a teacher that really, really cares. That puts in the extra effort. She really does all that stuff. So at the beginning of this school year, because of um, coronavirus going around, our school system district gave us the option of doing school, you know, in person or remote learning. And because of our fear for the coronavirus I'm going around, we decided to do remote learning. While my kids were doing remote learning, my mother-in-law got coronavirus. And she was in the hospital for like two weeks. It got really bad. And we saw, you know, firsthand what it could do. Of course, my mother-in-law is much older than my children, you know, are. So, of course, it wouldn't affect them the same way if they caught it, I'm assuming. But we didn't want to take the chances of them getting it. So, um, my mother-in-law came home from the hospital. And like the day after or two days after, we had a meeting with my daughter's um special special education team of teachers and they were just going over her progress and saying how she's not learning as well at home which we knew would be the case we knew when we decided to do remote learning our tour teacher she'll be back before the school year's out because she's not going to learn as well at home as she would in class and then my son being you know five and wild he will sit there for a while after a while he's like I'm not sitting here anymore I'm bored I'm just not going to do it and he'll come up with an excuse why he has to get up you know So we talked to her teachers and her teachers were saying that she's not learning. um, She's not reaching the goals that we had set for her IEP. And the options were that they could lessen the goals, meaning if her goal was, was to count to 100, they would take it down to maybe 20, 25, 50, just to get her to hit a goal, even if it's not the goal. And I didn't want to do that to her. I didn't want her to go back I wanted her to do what they thought she could do meet that potential and um, her vice principal suggested you know well maybe if the other option could be you know she come back to school I really wasn't interested in her coming back to school because I had just seen what coronavirus could do firsthand but my husband and I talked about it and he was you know all for her going back to school and just so everybody knows, I'm very stubborn, so I have a very hard time to be like, okay, if you say so. My husband knows that about Mary. I'm not very submissive about everything. It takes a little while for me to submit on certain things. But when it comes to certain things, I will. And when it comes to my children, I will. Because I know that my husband, for us, for our house, my husband is the leader. And I want him to lead certain things at certain times. So, um, I you know, agreed, okay, we'll send them back to school, 
We'll make sure they have their masks. We'll make sure we talk to them about keeping their masks on and all that stuff. So we did. We sat them down, had a family meeting, talked about masks and all that stuff. Asked them, did they want to go back to school? They both agreed that they wanted to go back very happily. Um, And so they went back to school. And then a week into them going back to school, week and a half, they were all, the whole school district closed down because of coronavirus. There were 600 cases between students, teachers, and staff. So they, you know, sent all the kids home and we had to do remote learning again for two weeks while the people who had to quarantine quarantined. And um, they started back to school. And, um, you know, my te- her teacher, my, my daughter's teacher is very informative. She makes sure I know what's going on. She makes sure that um, she'll send pictures throughout the day to me. She'll tell me. You know, she earned a sticker for this or she did this, she, she did this, she did that. And she's very, it keeps me engaged, which I love because I like to know what my kids are doing when I'm not with them. Because I'm attached to them because I've been with them their whole lives. I've been, you know, stay-at-home mom their whole lives. So when they're not with me, I get worried. So she sends updates all the time. I'm not going to cry, but I want to. Okay, so yesterday, um, my daughter's been working on... Um, letter recognition and letter sounds knowing what letters what, what what sound the letters make what letters look like and all that and that's the progress that she's made at seven and second grade so a lot of second graders of course are you know reading certain words they can spell certain words and all that my daughter is not at that point yet so yesterday no not yesterday maybe two days ago my son was looking in our our cabinet we have a little cabinet with their where their snacks go in the house and my son was looking for a snack, and he pulled down a pack of muffins. And he's like, what is it? What kind is this? And then my husband's like, well, what does it say? And she, he was, like, looking at him like, you know, I can't read. And so my daughter comes over, and he's, she, my, dad, my husband's like, um, what does this say? And then so she took her finger and tried to sound it out, and it was a blueberry muffin. And she got blue burr, but she couldn't get the re part. So I'm like, oh, blue bear. And she was like, oh, blueberry. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, high five, you sound out of word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't sound out all the way, but she did great because she doesn't do that kind of stuff. She can, she's just learned to really sound out letters, like to get the letter sounds. So what sound does F make? And then she'll go, you know, she just learned that. So for her to sound out a word at all was just amazing. And so yesterday she's in school. Her teacher sends me a message and she's like, I'm about to cry. Amaya spelled a word. And I'm like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, just from the sounds, she spelled the word fish. And I was like, wait, what? And then she told me that they were working on the word play. And my daughter spelled P-L-A. She didn't get the Y, of course, because you don't really hear the Y in play. But, you know, whatever. So I'm like, oh, my God, this is a big deal. We have to do something. And I'm, I'm posting on Facebook like, oh, this is so beautiful. My daughter spells words and all this. And I was like, you know, it's, it's not a big deal to everybody, but it's a big deal to me. And so I had a lot of people comment like, no, this is a big deal. Like, you celebrate that. That's amazing. Because if you have a kid that's on IEP or you have a kid that has a learning curve, if they're in special needs class, special education class at all, all their accomplishments are should, should be celebrated because it's all a big deal. So for me... When I got the messages, um, like telling my husband, like yelling at my husband, babe, guess what? She did this, whatever. And he's like, what, what? So we're like celebrating just the two of us, you know, because she's not here at the time. And so she comes home and we celebrate with her. And I'm like, we got to do something special. What do you want to do? And, you know, whatever. Because I want her to know 
her accomplishments mean something. This is a big deal. And even if she's like, well, all my friends, you know, do that. All my friends can do that. The big deal is that you can too. And I want her to feel that way. So I just wanted to come on here really just to encourage other parents. Because I know I'm not the only parent that has a child that has a disability when it comes to learning. Or maybe your child's autistic. Any, anything that you might see as a a struggle for them. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. That's how I feel. Like, it's beautiful. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep working on it. We're going to keep... You know, if she wants something, a juice, chips, whatever, at the store, when we get it, we're going to, you know, have her sound out the letters of the word. What does it say to help her learn that she's going to read? And my mother-in-law just keeps saying, I can't wait till she can read, you know, enough to come read me a book. And she's like, I know she'll do it. I know she'll do it. But I don't know if we, I don't, I, they went to go see my mother-in-law when they got out of school yesterday. I wasn't there. So I don't know if she told her that she spelled the words and all that. So I'm going to have to call her and, and, you know, let her know what happened so she can celebrate because I know she wants to. Um, but I just wanted to come on and leave a little encouragement. I know there are a lot of parents who are who have these children who have, you know, um, developmental delays, as the school calls them. But it's not it doesn't mean that your child has to stay there. It's not a. a death sentence I guess to say to say it a certain type of way your child can learn your child will learn keep the faith keep encouraging your children they're not dumb they're not behind they're just learning at their own pace and I used to be a certified teacher so I can say you know children do learn and any parent who has kids you know all your children are not the same they don't learn the same and we had to learn that because my daughter is seven and my son is five. My son's in kindergarten, but he was in preschool. They evaluated him because of my daughter's situation. They wanted to make sure that he didn't have a learning disability as well. He does have to have speech classes, but they wanted to make sure that he wasn't behind and developmentally delayed and all that. And so they did evaluation for him in preschool when they're like, oh, no, he has no problem. You know, he's very smart. And I'm like, OK, great. And so he gets to kindergarten, and they're like, they wanted to do it again, just to see. They, well, they were going to test him for speech. And while they were testing him for speech, they asked if they could test him, you know, to see if he was behind and all that stuff as well. So my husband and I agreed, yes, go ahead and do it. And they tested him, and they told us in every section that they're testing him in, he needs to get a 26 to pass that section. And when they sent home, when my husband would get him from, you know, being tested. And they're like, and she's like, oh, he's so smart. You know, he just needs speech. He doesn't need anything else. He's very smart. He's very sweet, all this. So they sent home the results because I hadn't talked to the teacher to, sign, to find out what his results were. And they sent the paper home for us to sign off on to say yes to speech. And we got all the results and everything. And he scored 36 or above in every category. So 10 points or higher in every category that he was tested. So we're not used to this part because we're so used to, you know, taking care of my daughter and making sure she's caught up and all that. And here comes my son who actually helps my daughter, which I think is beautiful. My son gets sight words, you know, words that you have to see and just know it by looking at it. So a lot of his sight words, we just put on the refrigerator. You know, he walks past, what word is that? Two, what word is that? Up. What word is that? Can. And he knows it. 
And because he does it, my daughter will do it too. And she'll just ask him, AJ, what letter is this? And he'll say it. What number? What uh, word is it? What, what letter is this? What word is it? And then so we ask her, do you know? And because he has to do it every day, she hears him doing it. And now she can look at words and she can do it. If she's counting, he'll come count with her. And I think it's beautiful that they work together, even though he's younger. He does help her. So I just wanted to come on to encourage parents. Keep doing what you're doing. And I know it's something that a lot of parents don't talk about um, because it makes, and I'm not going to lie, especially for me, having been a teacher, it made me feel horrible that my child didn't learn like other kids. And I have been working with her and teaching her and stuff like that. But I have to accept it's not something that I can control. It's something that goes on with her. And I'm doing the best that I can. And I'm there for her and I encourage her and I will constantly do that. And I encourage you to keep doing that for your children as well. And just know there's not something wrong with your child. They just learn at their own pace. They'll get there. They'll learn. And when they do, the feeling is amazing. So be blessed, you guys. And I will talk to you guys on the next one. God bless you. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Chat chit chat with shell okay so i'm home alone right now so i figure i can get a video an audio what are the things called podcast look listen <laughs> it's been a very long week when i tell y'all what what happened to me y'all understand why i'm a little discombobulated but i'm home by myself now my husband and my children went to the store to grab a couple more things that we need for our Thanksgiving meal, which those plans have changed quite a few times because of coronavirus going around. So initially our plans every Thanksgiving are to spend with my sister-in-law, my sister-in-love, who I love so much. And she can cook her behind off like everything. Bomb, 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 bomb. What I love the most that she makes is her pie her sweet potato pie I miss it every year that we don't go I want to cry because I need it and it's just bomb so I'm sad that we're not going to be able to have the pie but of course with the virus going around it's safer for us to just be here at our house so initially our plans this year was for us to cook here and then my mother-in-law was going to come down to hang out with us for Thanksgiving to be with the grandkids and so she wouldn't just have to be, you know, alone for Thanksgiving. But then they made plans. My mother-in-law made plans to do Thanksgiving at her house with some of her other family members and lots of kids. And they just wanted to have, you know, a big family celebration, which, of course, is not very safe. So we're not participating in that. So we're going to cook here at our house. And in our household, my husband does like most of the cooking. I have my signature dishes that I make that are just better than his. <laughs> but for the most part, he cooks everything. He's a phenomenal cook. So he's planned basically our whole menu. And so we're just going to have a little quick little us, just my husband, me, and our kids here at the house hanging out chilling. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're just doing our Thanksgiving at the house. Hope you guys have some safe Thanksgiving plans because I know they're saying um, in Georgia that they don't want you 
I don't know, maybe everywhere, but I know in Georgia for sure they were saying they didn't want, um, you know, big gatherings. And if you're going to be together, do it outside and all that, which of course here you can because it's not cold yet. But in a lot of places are cold. Where I'm from, Pittsburgh, it's freezing, I'm sure, right now. But if I was in Pittsburgh, I would be at my mom's house for Thanksgiving, no questions asked. That's just where I would be. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't cook nothing unless she asked me to bring something, which she never does. She makes everything. Her food is like, you know, everybody thinks her mom's food is the best in the world. So I would be there very happily eating. But my husband wanted to go grab stuff from the store. So while I'm able to have moments to myself, I figure it's just a great time to talk about what happened to me recently. Okay, so. And I, I will make a follow-up video to a follow-up podcast to this one just if more things come out. So last, what's today? Monday. Last Sunday night. Uh, well, last Sunday day, my husband and I, like any married couple, we were any couple, not married or not, we were having some disagreements. And the disagreements, I was really worked up and he wasn't. Like, you know how you're trying to talk to somebody and they're not in it like you think they should? You know how you'd be like wanting passion, like, I'm saying this, you better come back at me with something. My husband, he doesn't do that. That's not the way he discusses things. I'm passionate in a different word, passionate in different ways, let's say that. So I wasn't getting the reaction or the response from him that I wanted to get. And I got worked up and all this stuff. So... I was having like moments, you know, you have your moments. I was overwhelmed with the kids and overwhelmed with our little disagreement and everything like that. And so I had a few breakdowns, you know, in the bathroom. You sneak off into the bathroom. If you're a first time parent, first time mother or a mother in general, you know, you sneak off to that bathroom, sit on that toilet or the tub and you just let it come out. The tears, not anything, you know, just cry. That's all. Um, <laughs> so you just cry, let it out because you have to get it out somehow. So I cried a couple of times and all that. And then I decided to reach out to one of my sisters because my sisters, my siblings in general, are my best friends. And they really, really know me and they can call me out without, not without offending me because I won't say I don't get offended, but without, with, and they can do it in, a, in, in love. Like they know me enough to say something to me and I know even if I'm upset by what they said, they love me enough to say it to me. So I talked to my sister and she gave me some advice on, you know, how to handle things and corrected me because I can be, my mouth is reckless sometimes. And so she gave me some advice. I was, you know, wanting to follow her advice, but I just couldn't do it that day. I couldn't do it on Sunday. I was too worked up. And then, you know, our kids were here and I don't want to do arguing in front of our kids. We don't like to do that. So usually when we talk, we sneak off into our room and, you know, have a little conversation and stuff like that. Or the kids are at school or somewhere else just because I don't want them to see us arguing. And our arguments are not like screaming arguments. They're disagreements enough that you know that we're not on the same page. And I don't want my kids to see that kind of stuff. So um, we didn't say anything else really that night. Um, we He did his thing. I did mine. And, and I was sitting out here. We have um, our, our couch has like recliners on the ends that's how our couch is so I had reclined one of the ends and I'm just laying here whatever and he was getting the kids ready for bed because they had school the next day for you know that Monday 
and everything's fine. And I don't remember a lot. I know my my daughter was asking me questions, and I was like, you know, answering them half heartedly. And she's like, I think mommy's really tired because she's not talking. She's not talking, whatever. And so my husband didn't say anything. And um, you know, he got them off, put them to bed. And I don't know what time he got up to go to bed. So no, he got up, and when he got up, he put the remote control beside me so I could have it if I wanted the remote control. And that's the last thing I remember on that night. I don't remember anything else that happened that night whatsoever. I woke up Monday morning, and I was my mouth was hurting like really bad. My tongue was hurting really, really bad. So I got up and I went to the bathroom, and you know whatever. And I got a piece of tissue and I just spit on the tissue, and a lot of blood came on the tissue. And I'm like, okay, I did something to my tongue because something's happening. So I looked in the mirror and saw like a big, huge lump on my tongue and it was bleeding. So I rushed out the bathroom and, you know, to my room and tell my husband, like, I think I need to go to the doctor. My tongue is bleeding. And he's like, well, yeah, it should be bleeding. You had a seizure last night. And I said, I had what? And he said, yeah, you had a seizure last night. I had to, you know, call 911 and everything. And I'm like, okay, when did this happen? Because I don't remember any of this. And I thought, because he didn't give me all the details, I thought, because he's like, we have to pick you up off the floor and all this stuff. So I'm thinking I had a seizure out of the recliner. Like I was in the recliner shaking and fell off the recliner to the floor or whatever. But when I came back out here, I was looking for my little earbud that, you know, I used to connect to my phone and my tablet and all that. And it was under our Christmas tree, but on the other side. Yes, my Christmas tree's up. It's been up since November 1st. 2020 is a hard year. I needed my joy. My tree is up. Don't judge. It's beautiful too. My kids decorated it, so they look. Anyway, sidetrack. Um, my earbud was on the other side of the Christmas tree. Like I had to stand up and fall down. So I'm like, oh, okay, when did all this happen? What happened? Right? <clears throat> so he tells me, you know, he called and all this stuff. And after he told me he called, I start having like flashes of that night. And I can remember my door to the my house being opened and a lady, you know, standing in my face asking me, what month is it? And I can remember saying November. I don't remember doing it, but, you know, I thought I thought I was like, I thought I was part of a dream. And he's like, no, they were in your face, you know, asking you questions so they could figure out if you knew if you were coherent, basically. And he said, I answered every question. The only question I remember is something about the month that it was and that was it and that was just a flash that's the only thing I can remember from that night after he told me so we end up going to the ER Monday morning um, after we dropped the kids off at school and they did every test they could do and CTs and blood work and EKGs and EEGs and WPSs I don't know what letters they are um, but they did them all and they all came back saying you know it's all clear there's nothing going on that they could see that, you know, it could just have been a one-time thing or whatever. But I've been really concerned because I keep getting these really sharp headaches. And they last, they're not like long-lasting headaches, but they're really painful headaches. They can last, I would say, probably about 15 seconds. 20 seconds, maybe. But they hurt really bad. And they're on and off. They don't happen, you know, all the time. So that's a little weird. And then my vision's been a little bit off but not all the time and I wear glasses too so I don't know if it's time for a new prescription or something like that so I'm not trying to read into anything but I am like google guru webmd doctor 
and I will look up something and diagnose myself with something. So I'm trying not to do that. I'm just waiting because I do have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. And when I go tomorrow to my doctor, they can, I guess, figure some things out. But they were asking me, my husband said they were asking me, the, the ambulance when they came were asking to take me to the hospital. And I kept telling them, no, I don't remember that, of course, because I was out of it. And I guess that's common for seizures, that you have a seizure and you don't remember. You can lose your memory during it or something. But I thought, like, okay, I lost my memory during the seizure, but why can't I remember? After, like, now that my memory's back, like, I'm not forgetful. Why can't I remember what happened then? But just that memory's not there. It's gone completely. I don't know what happened, how I ended up on the floor. I don't remember nobody picking me up. I don't remember none of that. And I'm a big girl. So it takes some strength to get me off that floor. But... I told my husband, if this ever happens again, hopefully it won't, prayerfully it won't, y'all keep me in y'all's prayers, I don't care what I say, send me to that doctor, send me to the hospital against my will, whatever, I'm giving you permission now to do that, because I feel like if I had gone when I had the seizure, when I was having it, they could have, you know, seen what was going on, as opposed to everything's fine now, it's all clear, there's nothing going on in my brain, everything's going to look normal, whatever, you know. There's that. So I'm just, you know, leery about what's going to happen tomorrow and what they're going to say or do or whatever because I'm not having a seizure, so I don't know what they'll recommend for me. But when I was at the doctor, the, when I was at the, at the ER, the nurse or doctor that came in said that they wanted me to see a neurologist still, and they would give me a recommendation for a neurologist, but they didn't give me a recommendation for a neurologist they just told me the recommendation on the paper was just to go see my family doctor. So I'm going to do that tomorrow. And then if she recommends that I see a neurologist, maybe she can, you know, recommend somebody for me that would run more tests or whatever. Because the, the problem was, or the problem is, well, thankfully, it wasn't an issue because my husband was home that night. But my husband, when he works, he works overnight. So he would have been gone. He said I was like 11 something that I had the seizure. And he said he heard a big thump, which is me falling on the floor, I'm guessing, which is what made him come out here. But he works that night. And, you know, if it had been another night, he would have been at work and I'd have been here by myself. And my kids had to go to school that morning and I wouldn't have been up to get them dressed I wouldn't have known anything I woke up off the floor I'm guessing not knowing what happened and he came to pick the kids up and found me on the floor I don't know my kids would have came out here it could have been a number of things so my kids don't know what happened they know that I wasn't feeling well and I had to go to the doctor and all that but they don't know details and prefer to keep it that way you know but I don't know um I had a family member that had a seizure was it last year, I think? But that was from dehydration. And my family member was smart enough. Well, I don't know if he was smart enough. He had somebody with him who made him go to the, you know, to the hospital to be checked. And he, but but he remembered, he made his, he remembered his, like he knows what happened to him. I don't remember mine, like at all. And so everybody's like, that's really weird. But when I read up on seizures, it's not uncommon to not remember when you had a seizure so i'm just praying that nothing else happens 
So the reason I did not go to the store, honestly, is because I'm afraid to go out the door. I don't want to pass out again and then be in public this time and my kids be there or, you know, fall on the store floors. That's pretty hard. Falling at home on the carpet, you know, different story. But I will get brave when I get, you know, checked and evaluated and all that. My bravery will come back and I'll be up and about and out and about and stuff like that again. But um, y'all keep me in y'all's prayers. I'm going to keep y'all in my prayers because there's too much going on in 2020. 2020 ain't come to play with nobody. 2020 said I am here and I'm going to do what I got to do. I just know 2021 better get in here and sit down. I like she got some sense because I ain't going way. Once the corona get under control, they need to go ahead and just zip it up. 2020 need to come on now. But I feel okay now. I do get the headaches and weird visions sometimes. But I don't have memory lapses. And I did have another moment on Monday when we came home from the hospital. My husband made some food. I was asking for food. He There was a pasta uh, bag, I guess that you can call it, from the frozen food section that I really wanted. He bought it and he cooked it and everything. And I asked him, could he bring me some? Just because I wasn't, you know, stable enough to do things for myself. And he brought it to me. And, I, you know, I don't remember eating any of it. I remember him handing it to me, though. And then I remember him, like, taking it away. But I don't remember anything else. And when I sat up, there was, like, food, food, my food, all around me. Like, in my chair where I was sitting at. And, I, like... I wasn't asleep. I was awake, he said. I was, But I felt like I was asleep. So when I woke up, there was like food. So I'm like picking up food. Like, what happened? And so I'm back here and I'm like, did I eat? He's like, who the kids? I'm like, no, me. He's like, yeah, you ate. And he said, but you start shaking while you were eating. Like, you start shaking again. So that's why there's food everywhere because you shook the food off the plate. And I'm like, okay. So I just had like another seizure because I blacked out completely again. I don't know what just happened to me. So... I'm trying to stay hydrated and I'm trying to stay calm and not get stressed and frustrated and stuff like that. Though having seizures and not knowing why or not remembering stuff, that'll stress you out by itself because this is ridiculous. So I'm trying to stay calm and, you know, rest as much as possible when you have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and Thanksgiving break happens. But, <laughs> but, um... You know, life happens, so I'm trying to adjust to the life happens and not stress out about this too much. My husband has been amazing. I can't lie. He took, you know, days off of work to stay here to make sure that I was good, make sure the kids are taken care of. And I haven't had to do much of anything because he's been taking really good care of me. So he's awesome. It's nice to have that support. When you need it, you know, and you don't have to ask somebody, can you come over and help or can you come do this? Can you do that? And somebody just does it. It's a beautiful thing. So when you say for better or worse in sickness and in health, don't do it if you don't mean it. Because one day you might be tested. And when you are, yikes, because <laughs> I'm hard to deal with. And I know I am. But my husband has been great. So I have I have a really good support system. And then I'll go back tomorrow to do whatever my doctor is going to do and see what recommendations she has or if there's any 
advice she can give me or what she thinks happened, how to avoid it, whatever. Um, And then, of course, I will come back and do another podcast just to do updates so I can keep you guys posted on my experience. And maybe it'll help somebody out there who also has had this experience. Or maybe y'all have some advice for me because I I've never gone through this, and I have a nephew who who um, has seizures. He gets, you know, he has this disorder that gives him, makes him have seizures, so he can't watch certain shows or be around certain things and all that. So my sister is very, very protective of him and his, you know, um, presence around certain things just to keep him from doing it. But he takes medication for it and all that, and. Yeah, I, I don't know how she does it because it's a lot for me as an adult. So I can just imagine to watch your child go through it and have to, you know, be supportive of them. It's a lot to do. And I just had one, you know, or I guess one big one and then the small one with the food. But it's a lot to to deal with. And it's a hard thing because I don't remember it. And I don't know if kids remember. I don't know if everybody's the same when it comes to I don't know. But. Anyway, you guys pray for me, and I hope you enjoy your holiday, your Thanksgiving with your family. I'll do another video. I'll do another. I keep calling them videos because I'd be on YouTube too much. Okay, I'll do another podcast before Christmas holiday, but you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday with your families. Be safe. Wear your masks. Do whatever you have to do to protect yourself. Wash your hands and enjoy your food, your family, your friends, and I will chit-chat with you guys another time god bless you hey everybody welcome to the chit chat with shale and i just wanted to come on to talk about what's been going on with the quarantine situation i don't know how y'all's house has been but it's been a little difficult in mine because i have a husband and i have two children my children are, my daughter will be nine in December, and my son is six. And they don't really care to quarantine. That's not really up their alley at all. And they don't want to quarantine any kind of way. Like, we have a yard where they can play outside, and they have lots of outside activities. They have bubbles, they have bikes, they have basketball goals, they have all kinds that they can do outside, and they would really rather be at the park. And when we tell them that they can't go to the park because it's not safe, because other kids have touched equipment, stuff like that, they don't really care. They just want to be at the park. So it's been a little stressful with the kids in the house all day. They do go to school. They don't do virtual learning anymore. They actually go to school and learn in school. And then when they come home, they're home. So we try to do fun things with them, you know, take them out every once in a while and do things that are open that they can do you know safely um but the other thing is being married during quarantine is not the business all the time like it's just not and i love my husband we've been together for since 2011 we've been together we've been married since 2014 but it's a lot and it's a lot to to it's just a lot Uh, a lot of people i know their marriages have been going through it during court or their relationships in general not just marriages relationships in general boyfriend girlfriend whatever been going through it in general just because you're spending more time with that person or maybe you're seeing things in that person you didn't know existed 
until quarantine because it's a lot but for me I'm just a transparent type of person I don't want to be the type of person that's like oh marriage is perfect my marriage is wonderful this man is just we never fight we never argue things just great it's not that way for me anyway I'm not speaking for anybody else's marriage if your marriage is a situation where y'all never get into disagreements everything's wonderful and peach and cream that's you do you good for me my situation is not like that my husband and i i do think my husband's a great great guy and i got very lucky to have him and i love him with all my heart but sometimes we get into disagreements and when we get into disagreements the disagreements can be very um trying and it becomes a situation where you have to make some decisions sometimes so with that being said this quarantine has made my my marriage a little bit harder than it needs to be I hope that all of your marriages are intact and great and wonderful. My marriage is still intact, thankfully, but it's a little bit of a struggle right now. So I'm just going to be transparently talking about my marriage during quarantine and the things that have happened so far. So um, I am married to a man who's quite older than I am. And um, when we got married, when we got together, I wasn't looking for a specific type of man. It wasn't, I wasn't looking to date anybody actually. He just happened to come along and we end up being a really good match and hanging out and talking and stuff like that. But even as we were dating, I wasn't looking to be married because I never really wanted to be married. That wasn't at the top of my list personally. Um, but when you meet somebody who you connect with on a certain type of level and they show you different things, it opens your eyes to different possibilities. And that's what happened with my husband and we ended up getting married. So the whole time we've been married, I'm thinking, and I'm just telling y'all, this might be TMI, this might be whatever. But like I said, I'm just a transparent type of person. Either you get with it or you don't. Okay. So. If you're not interested in TMI information, you may go ahead and disconnect from this podcast right now. But if you want the juicy details, keep on listening, boo. Okay? So, because I married somebody who was so much older than I was, first of all, pause. Okay. Before I got married, I was not very experienced sexually. I had one sexual part well I don't want to say it like that I had intercourse with one man before my husband I had been sexually active in other ways without actually having sex up until I met the man that I was dating before I got married so I was 27 when I lost my virginity but I had played around before 27 so I thought when I met my husband, because he was so much older than I was, that I was going to be not unfulfilled, but that I was going to be wanting to do a lot of stuff because I hadn't done a lot of stuff, sex like sexual 
intercourse related stuff and I'm like oh he's so much older he's going to get tired he's going to wear out whatever maybe this wasn't the best decision to make in that situation for a sexual reason but that was not the case my husband was very into it and I married a Scorpio if you know about Scorpios they say they're very sexual people that's very true and I'm not saying that I'm not up for a good time, but I'm probably not up for a good time as often as my husband is. But I didn't expect that when I got married. I expected that I would be like the one that would be like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And I am that way, but I'm not ready for him to say, let's do it again. After I already said, let's do it again. You know? So that's been our relationship. We are very healthy in that area usually but my husband got sick recently not recently but a couple years ago he got sick and he got sick to the point where he was like life or death type of sick so I did everything I could to take care of him obviously that's in my vows you know sickness and health whatever and it slowed down the bedroom activity because he just couldn't do a lot of what he used to do because he was so sick I did not care about the bedroom activity when I knew the risk of losing my husband so although I was very fulfilled in that area at one point it was like now it's not there as much as it was because of his health so I, I adjusted to that accepted that and all that stuff we found ways to you know make it happen safely but whenever there's an issue I don't think that you should use sex as a punishment like I don't think and I know a lot of women do that like and I don't know if men do it but I know a lot of women do it like a man upsets your husband boyfriend whoever upsets you and because you're upset you're like oh well, we're not having sex if they do something you don't like well you're not getting it tonight whatever I don't think you should do that I don't think you should use it as a punishment but I do think that there are things that happen and it naturally makes you not want to have sex with that person so this is not my marriage, but I'm just saying. So if you're in a relationship and somebody cheats on you and you decide that you want to stay in that marriage or relationship with that person, you might not be ready to just jump back in bed with them after you found that they cheat on you. You know what I'm saying? And it's not a punishment. It's just this is a natural reaction to what you have done. So I feel that way in my marriage. Personally, we have never had infidelity on either side. We went to our marriage knowing we don't do that. That's not for us. That in our business, that's not us. But also, we were so fulfilled in our marriage that we weren't looking for something outside of our marriage. Um, and even when we couldn't, you know, my husband couldn't do it because of him being sick. I never thought like, oh, I'm going to get him somewhere else because it just, that was just not, that's not me. So recently, we got into a big situation oh it's starting to rain outside we got into a big situation and my husband said some things to me that were very hurtful and disrespectful and 
we i i if there's a situation i'm the type of person like i want to address it right away let's talk about it let's figure out how we can solve it all that stuff that's me but my husband is more like let's not talk about it it'll just go away and so we did not talk about the issue i complained about it but we didn't talk about it and he just wanted it to go away but it was too big of an issue to just have it go away so then that night he wanted to have fun but because i was already emotionally checked out of it like i'm already upset i don't want to do nothing i don't have that in my vibe we didn't talk about nothing nothing got solved and you want to just go back here and and do what we got to do so i said we're not doing that you know that's not the mood i'm in Y'all, the next day, first of all, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I don't work outside of our house. My husband prefers it that way. I used to have a job until my husband got sick. Well, I had a job for a couple months until my husband got sick because I've been a stay-at-home mom for almost nine years. Uh, Last year, I got a job for a couple months just because I wanted to get outside the house and, and experience life outside of being a mom. Um... But when he got sick, I had to stop working to take care of him. And then when he got better, I asked him, would you prefer for me to work to help financially? Because we realized how great that was to have me helping financially. Or do you prefer for me to be here with you and the kids? He said he preferred for me to be home with him and the kids. Then we had a situation a few months ago. And I decided I was going to go back to work again. So I started looking for work. Uh, I got a call about a job. I told my husband about the job. And he told me again, I prefer for you to stay home. I prefer if you don't work. If you want to go to work, go ahead. Up to you, whatever. But being the wife that I am, I submitted to my husband. And I'm like, okay, he wants me to be here. He's okay carrying a financial load. He does a good job, you know, providing for us. I'll stay home. That's fine. So the day that I did not want to, the night that I did not want to have sex with him, we didn't talk about it. He went to sleep, whatever. The next day, he goes out and buys food. And I wake up like, uh, where's mine? And he's like, we don't do that. And I'm like, do what? And he's like, if you're not basically telling me if I'm not having sex with him, he's not buying me nothing. What happened? who did this what 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 who what happened because were you with me for sex i mean i know it's good but geez or were you paying me for sex like it was rough and like i said i'm just transparent i'm just telling y'all like this is what it was and this was a situation we had to work through because I just don't believe in taking your marriage and throwing it away even if your husband seems to have viewed you as a prostitute because that's how I felt. But the thing is, perception and reality are not the same thing. So the way I see it and the way it really is and the way he sees it and the way it really is are completely different things. So he thought that when I said, you know, we don't do that or I'm not doing that, that I was like, this is over. Like, I'm not sleeping with you no more. I'm not doing like I'm not doing that with you. He took it like, OK, we're done. Like you got that mad that you wanted to leave. We're good. And that's not what I meant. I was just saying we got to discuss what we, you know, what we dealt with before I can feel comfortable being emotionally attached to you in that way.
because I don't know about you or most women, but I feel like women are more sexually uh, aroused emotionally. Like sex is emotions for us. It's not just a feeling. For men, I feel like sex is more of just a feeling, getting that feeling and all that stuff. Even though as women, we feel it too, but it's an emotional connection more so for me anyway. So then I'm like, okay, so you were just with me for sex? Is that what it is? Or what? I'm processing. Like, what's happening? You're paying me, taking care of me if I'm having sex with you. But if I'm not, then we can't do that. He's like, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm like, what are you saying? Please tell me. Because I'm not trying to be in a relationship where you don't want me to work so you can control what I do if I'm not doing what you want me to do. You know? So it was... A rough situation I know what I don't want to say I know what it takes to make a marriage work because I have never been married before but I know what it takes to make my marriage work and I know when we got married before we got married we knew that sex was gonna be a big part of our, our relationship our marriage and there's you know moments where we not forget but we lose it because we have kids and take care of kids and you don't think about that as much but we have to bring that back into our relationship because intimacy to me is what makes your brings the relationship back when it starts to like get sour dry whatever and i'm not saying you have to have sex but i'm saying some sort of intimacy if that's hugging or kissing or holding hands or telling each other you love them or cuddling whatever it is for you you have to have that intimate moment intimacy in your relationship at some kind of in some kind of way so I'm like, we need to go to counseling because this ain't going to work for me. You think this is what it is. I think this is what it is. Somebody got to talk to us so we can find a middle ground because this ain't going to work. So he agreed that we would go to counseling and talk it through or whatever. And so I already have a counselor for myself. And so she said that she would, you know, open it to, you know, marriage, marriage marital counseling or whatever. And so we agreed to do that. But... To be honest, for me, I don't think that my husband thinks not having sex with him is a punishment to me too. Like it's not sex fulfills him, it does, but it fulfills me too. So if I'm not having sex, I'm also losing out as well. I want to work through the problem. I ain't got time to keep saying going through the stuff because whatever you think is going on and all this stuff because you think you're missing out. I'm missing out too. I need to have something too. So we got to work through all this stuff. We ain't going to be sitting and arguing about the same thing over and over and over and over and not getting a moment. I need to have a moment too. So the point of the situation is uh, quarantine has taught us that our intimate life has almost ruled our relationship to a point where if we're not doing that it affects other parts of our relationship and I guess that might be normal for some relationships I don't know but we need that in our relationship I mean it's sad to say it but like it's not a requirement but I almost do require that like I require us to be intimate for our marriage to work 
he required us to be intimate for our marriage to work. And I hate that it seems like now that's become what overshadows our relationship. But we do date, you know, we go out and hang out, just the two of us without the kids. We do talk about everything, like, that's, we're best friends who just need to have sex. <laughs> I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to say it a different way, we just need to have sex. So, we are able, to, we, we are working through what we have to work through because we need to have sex. So, yeah. So, to the men out there, if you're listening, who think that in your marriage, you're and maybe it is in your marriage I don't know but if you think that in your marriage you're the one that needs it or wants it don't sleep on that don't sleep on your wife like that she wants it too maybe you just got to figure out how to talk to her how to communicate with her what to do to get her back in that mood because she wants it just as bad as you want it and if it's good she probably wants it even more than you want it Trust me, coming from the expert over here sitting on the other side of the podcast. <laughs> if it's good, you want it. So, um, I, we're still working through things, but things are better. And it's getting better, yes. But the quarantine is not for the faint of heart. If you're in a relationship or marriage and you're going through the quarantine and you're still thugging it out and you're making it and it's lasting and it's great, props and bravo to you. If you're in the relationship or marriage and it's a struggle and it's a little bit hard for you, get the help that you need. Make sure you're doing what's best for you and for your partner. And if you feel like it's best for y'all to go y'all separate ways, do what you got to do, seek counseling, but it's it's not an easy feat right now. But good luck, you got it. We got it. I will post updates as they come for our quarantine counseling session marriage thing, whatever this is. But that's the podcast for Shell's chit chat while I'm sitting in my car chilling at the moment peace love and hair grease